A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hello, I'm Julie Gould, and this is Working Scientist, a Nature Careers podcast. This episode is part of a Nature Spotlight on Canada, and our journalists at Nature Careers have investigated the country's science spending as its political leadership has changed. The result is a look at how politics changes science and vice versa. So I spoke to Dr Mona Neymar. She's the Chief Science Advisor of Canada. I asked her about her role her initial foray into a scientific career whilst a young girl at school in Lebanon, and the relationship between science and politics in Canada. Now, like me, I imagine you know that there is such a thing as a chief science advisor, but you may not know what they actually do. So that was one of the first things I asked Dr. Neymar, was to give a brief overview of what her role entails. No two days are the same. Uh, there is a lot of interaction with the outside the science community, various stakeholders, be it in uh, uh, the academic world or in the private sector. Um, uh, of course, the, uh, the, the, there is a mandate, and uh, it basically directs me to uh, three uh, areas of, uh, of activities which are uh, quite broad and, and have within them a number of specific uh, to-do lists, if you want. So the first one is to provide uh, advice on request uh, to the Prime Minister, the Minister of Science, and any minister who asks for it. Uh, the second one is to uh, make recommendations to improve the science internally within the government and the science advice uh, mechanism, so be a, a coordinator, if you want, and a convener of, of advice. The third one is to provide recommendations on uh, how to improve science in Canada. Last but not least is to uh, enhance the dialogue around science and improve science literacy in the country. Now, you've actually been a, an advocate for science since you were very young. I read an article online in which you described that you actually had to to push your, your school when you were younger to, to allow you to learn science. Is that correct? Yes. So I was in a, an all-girls school, and at the time it wasn't felt that girls actually needed to, to know more science than necessary because anyway they wouldn't go into these areas. Gosh, that's, that's such an outdated viewpoint now. At least I hope Absol anyway. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, unfortunately, you know, it is still a view held in many places in, in the world, thankfully not in Canada or, uh, you know, many of the Western countries. You instigated changes at your school as a girl, but what kind of changes would you like to see in Canadian science? 
I want to see science play a much bigger role in Canada in terms of both our uh, domestic agenda, but also in terms of our international agenda. Uh, as you well know, science and technology are the determining factors for societal and economic progress in the 21st century, and I want to see Canada compete among the, the top nations for this. Now, those are very lofty goals and well worth pursuing, but relationships between politics and science aren't easy to navigate. And I know that in Canada in the last few years, those relationships have been really tough. So how do you work with the politicians that you have to work with in order to make sure that those goals are reached? If understood, Science can be a great tool to achieving the objectives of you know, most political leaders, which generally is the empowerment of the nation, improvement of the socioeconomic uh, status of the population. So I think it's important that there be understanding on both sides of what science can do and what science cannot do, and also in terms of what politicians can do and certainly what politicians should not do vis-a-vis uh, -vis science. One of the things that I'm trying to do is try to uh, engage as much as possible in, in dialogue and in uh, understanding the objectives of various ministers and of the, the government as a whole, but also to be a convener of the dialogue between the broader science community and, uh, and government, an ongoing relationship with uh, realistic expectations. The challenges of a long-term relationship are that people will need to work together for a long period of time, but governments come in and out fairly quickly. And I know you've got the upcoming general election in October later this year. So how do you form a long-term positive relationship with a government that changes every few years, where sometimes the team that steps in may have completely opposite views to the one that you've just been working with? That's why I think being able to change the culture of uh, science and how science is viewed is really important so that it becomes part of the, of the landscapes. You've talked about some of the goals that you have for, for Canadian science. What, in your opinion, do you think is special about Canadian science? Well, maybe what's special about Canadian science uh, starts with what's special about, you know, the country, we, we're, uh, we're bordered by uh, three oceans. We're uh, on the one side close to Europe, on the other to, uh, to Asia. And we do have open uh, trade policies within North America, with Europe, with Asia. So in terms of research and innovation, uh, Canada is a very attractive country. It's a great country if you want to be studying the Arctic, if you want to be doing uh, climate research, oceanography, but also historically there have been very strong areas, in, namely in astrophysics, information technologies, and health as well. So we have managed to basically create a, an environment that is actually conducive uh, to research and uh, development in spite of the challenges, if you want, of our geography. And you've mentioned some of your global neighbours. How international is your network and how, how often do you work with these people from the other continents and countries? As we all appreciate, science is international. It's been international, you know, before the, the word, I guess, global and international became fashionable. And in terms of my work, there are 
uh, first of all, global networks of science advisors. So we do meet and coordinate advice, for example, in times of crisis for the Sustainable Development Goals of the UN and other pieces of advice that are international in nature. But beyond that, I've uh, also been going a bit uh, to different parts of the world to look at uh, the possibilities for uh, Canadians to uh, use facilities to establish better and uh, stronger research network internationally. And I guess last but not least, there is the science diplomacy piece as well directly with our missions and our embassies around the world. So uh, actually the international dimension is, um, is quite important in, uh, in my work. How involved are you in terms of managing the expectations of scientists in Canada when it comes to things like budgets? Managing expectations when it comes to budget is actually quite important because it's a little bit part of the trust building and the building the dialogue and understanding between the scientists and the decision makers. So the fundamental science review that was chaired by Professor David Naylor Uh, that's now known as the Naylor Report, actually was in many ways a roadmap for the country for multiple years. And it was important that the scientific community understands that it is for multiple years. But it was equally important for me to press upon the government. You know, science is not a a sort of one-time attention, that there is continued attention paid to science throughout government tenure, so in in every budget, not just in one budget. 2018 budget was exceptional in the sense that it was actually labeled a science budget. The previous year, the budget was labeled an innovation budget, which, uh, uh, of course, had also a a lot of uh, investments in, in research and also in innovation. This year's budget, was labeled a skilled budget, so it was more the people's budget. But I'll just say that uh, last year's budget committed over uh, $4.5 billion for research, plus an additional $2.7 billion, which was a one-time only for science infrastructure, for buildings, for government, you know, labs that are outdated. Well, this year's budget, excluding the space strategy, which actually commits Canada to uh, 24 years of investment in uh, space research and innovation, including participation in the Lunar Gateway. There there was close to $800 million that was devoted. So, in fact, if you added a few other investments in infrastructure, close to $1 billion, which was actually invested in research, mostly in students, scholarships, but also in uh, allowing students to take 12-month parental leave, which is huge. There were also a number of um, other investments in specific areas like in stem cell, uh, in brain research, and um, in large infrastructures, in uh, unique facilities in in Triumph, uh, for example. So, uh, no, it wasn't as generous, if you want, as uh, last year's budget, but there was still quite a bit of investment, and uh, I think it's really important that governments uh, pay continuous attention uh, to science and innovation, and I prefer it this way rather than $10 billion last year and then zero this year.
That takes me back to a, a series we ran only recently with the working scientists uh, on funding where we had one episode all about the this concept of a boom bust cycle where you know yeah. funding booms for due to you know political alarm based on something that's going on and then you know fairly soon afterwards the money dries up and this area of science is yeah, forgotten about those, absolutely because you know those approaches of uh, uh, you know the, the the boom and then nothing are actually very disruptive to the to the research enterprise as we all know it because it's not sustainable uh, you, you can't have uh, a PhD student doing research for multiple years. You cannot build labs um, uh, for multiple years. So uh, it's, uh, I think, uh, much better to have uh, sustained uh, investment, even if it's at a, a, a more modest level. And, of course, last year's budget itself was multi-year, so it committed increases not only for last year's but for the you know the, the the following four years so there are increased investments in research that are still carrying over from last year's decision do you ever get wrongly referred to as being a politician i know the chief scientific advisor role isn't a political role but i imagine that sometimes you might be labeled as such yeah the chief science advisor role is a non-political role you know, automatically there is a sort of political connotation to the role by virtue of the fact that I am the chief science advisor to the prime minister and to the government. You do get mixed up, and it's not a good thing because this is what leads to changes in government wanting to change a position that is by definition apolitical and science should remain apolitical. Mona, you, you've had a, a fantastic career so far and, and clearly, you know, you've been keen and interested in science from a, a very young age. And one of the things that's really important to us at Nature Careers is, is this concept of having a mentor to support you and guide you throughout your career. So do you have any mentors that you had as a, a young scientist and throughout your career that, that you would like to, to talk about? And, and do you have any advice on, on working with mentors? Mentorship is critically important and it's you know it's critical for everybody but it's certainly critical for underrepresented groups and certainly as a woman studying chemistry in my early career I didn't see you know a lot of women professors and researchers around so I was very I guess lucky that some of the men mentors around me were very supportive they were quite inspiring so my own PhD supervisor was a great uh, outside-of-the-box uh, thinker. He was bold, I would say, fierceless. He simply wasn't worried about pleasing everyone, and he taught me to have self-assurance, to believe in myself, in the science I'm doing. But also, he became a university president and later a senator, so in public life, you know, like the House of, I guess, Lords in, in England. So throughout, I think he inspired me not only to do innovative science, but also the importance of giving back, of supporting young and not-so-young researchers and research institutions above all. But, but the turning moment for me was actually meeting a great female scientist, uh, Nicole Le Doirin, a French uh, embryologist, 
And that was a turning point because up till then, I knew I was I wanted to do science. I was actually ready to sacrifice my personal life for that because I didn't believe that it was possible to have both, to have a, a life uh, as a family, to have children, and also to do competitive science. But when I met her, she had managed to do that. That was a great inspiration, and she became a great mentor and supporter for me, and uh, I really thank her for inspiring me to have balance in my life, I would say. Wow, that's a, that's a great to have met someone to really change your, your mindset on a, a career like science. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, this is why every day I feel such a great responsibility and obligation to be myself a, a mentor to the young female scientists around me. And I impress upon them as well that at every stage of our career, whether we're you know, when we're graduate students, whether we, you know, know it or not, we are role models and we can be mentors to the undergraduate and to the high school student. And as we progress in our careers, we will always have the possibility and the obligation in many ways to be mentors and role models to the younger generations. And uh, that's uh, something that is very dear to my heart. Thank you very much to Dr. Mona Neymar, the Chief Science Advisor for Canada. You can find out more about the relationship between science and politics in the Nature Spotlight on Canada at nature.com forward slash careers. But before you go, here's a brief announcement about the new online resource for working scientists in Canada. Thanks for listening. I'm Julie Gould. Nature Careers Canada aims to be the number one online hub for scientists to share information and insider knowledge about research careers in Canada. It includes job roles, events and seminars, funding opportunities, programmes and information across all science disciplines. This service is free of charge to scientists at all career stages working in both industry and academia across Canada. It brings the scientific rigour and quality you'd expect from nature research to careers articles and news, jobs, events and more. To find out more, Go to naturecareerscanada.com. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowl and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowl and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health Right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. 
Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.